0: Welcome back to another episode of the Executive Code podcast. If you're new to this podcast, what we discuss here is everything to do with personal mastery and how to discover what your life purpose is. If you want to go back over previous episodes, I would highly recommend because we cover a huge amount of content. And if you want to find out more and you want to find out your own life purpose, head over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com. If you're a previous listener to this podcast and a regular listener to this podcast, Let's give you a couple of updates as regards what's going on. And also, if you do like the content that's shared on this podcast, why not give it a review? Because by giving it a review and sharing with your colleagues and friends, we're reaching more and more people with information that we want to try and get out there as much as possible. So I want to give you a couple of different updates as regards what has been happening over the last couple of months. Because the last few episodes we had recorded well in advance, um, and I'm going to explain that in, in, in a minute. But just to give you by way of a couple of updates, Um, One is I have launched a Discover Your Life Purpose course. Um, So what that means is previously what I've been doing is working with clients on a one-to-one basis to help them discover what their life purpose is. But now in the last month or so, what I've done is launched a brand new Discover Your Life Purpose course, which means that now that individuals can literally go through the exact same methodology that I use when I'm working with clients to discover what their life purpose is. If you want to find out more about that, head over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com and all the details are there. Now, so far we've had quite a number of people go through the course and I'm absolutely thrilled with the results that they're actually achieving And um, because what I do is I have a one-to-one session at the end of the course for every single student that goes through the actual course just to make sure that the results that they get by going through the course are absolutely aligned to them individually. So I'm absolutely thrilled with the results that have gone through it the students that have gone through it in terms of the results that they've gotten. But more importantly, what it means is that we can reach more and more people. and By reaching more and more people, it means that there's more and more people getting on their like purpose and the difference that they're going to make in the long term. It's that ripple effect they keep talking about to clients. Um, so that's just by way of one piece of update. The next piece of update is that something that has been on my bucket list for quite some time. And I wanted to do it to celebrate 20 years in business. But because of COVID, let's not mention that word again, but because of that halt or pause that was put on everybody's life over the past couple of years, I had to defer it. And that is to do a biplane wing walk. So instead of celebrating 20 years in business, I celebrated 21 years of business. And as part of doing that was to do a biplane wing walk. Now, if you're not familiar with a biplane wing walk, if you can imagine the old aircraft whereby it's two wings and you're secured on top of the, the the top wing and what you're then doing doing is the pilot brings you up to 3,000 3,800 feet or 4,000 feet in order to do a whole load of different maneuvers so there's loops there's twists you name it there's about six to eight different um, maneuvers that the aircraft will actually do so you're flying at 150 miles per hour you're in a g-force G- G- four and it is pretty scary, I have to say. It's not one that I will be jumping back up again to try and do again. But I have to say, it was brilliant to do it because it was been on my list for, for quite some time. And I really, really truly enjoy doing it. If you want to find out a little bit more of what that looks like, what I'll do is I'll put a link to the actual short video, very, very short video about it. And it'll give you a view from the ground so you can actually see the maneuvers that were taking place. But you'll also see footage from the aircraft itself so you can relive literally the experience that I had on uh, the biplane itself. So what i am doing is I'll I'll put a link in the show notes for this particular episode so you can watch the video itself. And the last piece of update, as I said at the very beginning, I recorded a number of different episodes with Nicole. And for you listeners that are familiar with our episodes, you know that Nicole comes on these podcast episodes in order to ask a whole lot of questions that she wants to get known in relation to personal mastery. So over the last while, Nicole has been doing a number of different exams in order to uh, progress her career as a pilot. Now, you know my passion when it comes to aviation and all things that are flight related. Um, so Nicole, let's introduce yourself back onto our listeners again and just give us an update as regards what you've been doing over the last couple of months. Because we had a little pre-conversation just before we press record button. And I have to say, it was pretty grueling in terms of the amount of training that you went through. But give our listeners a bit of an update as regards what you have been up to.
1: Sure, Paul. So for the last three and a half months, I've been, you know, training with the regional airlines here in the US, one specific regional airline, actually. But it's been a lot of work. So we started with, you know, ground school, going through indoctrination classes, uh, systems and then getting into the actual simulator each phase was getting got harder and harder and was harder than the last phase and now I'm at the last part of training where we actually fly the actual plane uh and we get you know better at it but it's a lot different from what we learned in the simulator and in our ground classes because we're putting all that information and all the skills and knowledge together now but there are also so many more factors like air traffic control dispatch that we have never had to deal with before, even in the simulator. And so it's, it's been a great learning experience. It's been a great learning curve as well, but um, you know, I'm so glad I did this. I, it's a big step in my career. This is my first airline flying job and everyone, almost everyone in the U S if you're an airline pilot, you have to go through this route to get to like a bigger airline. And so I've passed like my big simulator exam. And now I'm at the stage where I'm actually flying the actual plane. Uh, it's a lot, and I'm still learning. Uh, it will, we'll see how long this phase takes, but when I'm ready, the training captain will sign me off. But the amount of work that goes into training and the actual flying, especially for the regionals, when you're flying you know, on a regional flight, I'm not sure how it is in Europe, you're going out and back from the bases Uh, the airline basis, and it's quick turns. You don't really have much time to breathe or eat (laughs) or go to the bathroom. Uh, Once you shut down from the previous flight, you're going back out to set up for the next one. And even, you know, when you take off, you get maybe five minutes after you get to cruise before you have to start thinking about descent planning. And you have maybe 30 minutes between turns. So it's not much time at all. You're just always on the move, doing something or thinking about doing something and trying to stay ahead of the airplane. So I definitely think flight crews should get tips. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> we tip the van driver when we get to the hotels. But, you know, it's so much work. And it's crazy because before this, before I started this phase of training, I had no idea how much work it goes, it, uh, goes into a flight you know from dispatchers to gate agents to rampers to catering even the cleaners the flight attendants, and the pilots it's just all behind closed doors so a lot of the public doesn't realize how much work goes on behind the scenes just to make a flight happen uh so yeah next time you're on a flight you know and you <laughs> see like the crew going around and it's not all relaxed and all that once we take off <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea before this, so uh, I'll let you know how it goes. You know, maybe absolutely. next time we record the podcast and just try to get through the last part of training, so I can be on on the line and officially done of with training and a real airline pilot. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And here here's something that um, is going to be a benefit to to our listeners. So first of all, what you're doing or the path that you're on is completely in line with your life purpose because we've we've done your pilots manual in terms of what your life purpose is so from my perspective it's it's completely on track in line with, with what your life purpose is but for some because something that you said um, just before we press record button was there quite a number of people actually dropped out because they, they, they weren't able to stick the actual grueling training of going through the simulator and so on for our listeners what for the amount of because I, I, I saw your schedule, when you had passed over to me in terms of to try and fit in the, the, the actual recordings for, for this podcast. Um, and your schedule was fairly grueling, I have to say, let alone as as what you're referring to there in terms of the, the small amount of time that you have between flights. But you stayed focused to in order to to, to, to get those exams, to pass those exams what was it that was driving you in order to to literally go through that grueling task in order to pass those exams? what what was that inner drive within you?
1: Well, it was both a push and a pull, I guess, because, you know, you definitely want to pass because you've put so much effort in to even get to the stage in the U S at least you've gone through at least two or three years at the minimum of training, paying out of your own pocket, out of your own time getting all those ratings, getting that 1,500 hours of flight time to even get to the regional airline stage. So it's not like we're starting from scratch. We've already put in at least you know, two or three years of work. And for me, it's it was more like 11 years because I my training was really spread out. I was doing other things, getting my master's. I worked corporate before this. Um, and so it took me a lot longer. But at the minimum, you just focus and do flight training full time. And that's the only thing you do. It's... You can do it in like two or three years and then maybe work a year um or two as a flight instructor or something else to build that time uh, but we've already put in so much effort at this point that failure isn't really an option because <laughs> if you fail out of you know training now i guess you there's options you know in the u.s a lot of um aviation general aviation you can go flight corporate you can do other things you can even try and go get another regional airline and see if you know their training will be better but it's still going to be that kind of work and it might be, you know, a better fit. Maybe you're more suited to corporate than the airline world. So it's about finding where you fit in. But most people who become pilots, you know, they tend to want to go through the airline pilot route. And to do that, you have to go through the regional airline route for most people yeah. that this way, because the regional airlines will pay for you to get your airline transport pilot certificate, that you need to progress onto the bigger airlines, whereas other jobs like corporate may not pay for that certificate. And so it's a, it's a rite of passage for most pilots in the U S to go through the regional airlines. So it's not an option to fail, but also you just really want to be here. You just have to want to be here and put in that effort, you know, to pass and mm. It's great. It depends on your airline and your your classmates. So it's a little bit of luck as well. But I had a great class and training and we were really tight. It's a small class too. And so the airlines that have smaller classes will, I feel tend to work better together because if your classes are like 60 people, you're not going to be able to get to know everyone. Whereas my class had all people at the start. And so we were, you know, really you you get really close because you're all suffering together. (laughs) So, um, you know, you talk about things and you see see each other almost every day, at least until you get to Sims and everyone has like a different schedule. But you're in class together and you do homework together and you take exams together and then you're at the hotel together too for three months. So, you know, you're pretty much um, like housemates as well (laughs) over there. And you have to depend on each other a lot and help each other out. I mean, not all of us have our cars here in in you know the airline training city, uh, the city that the airline trains at, so we have to like ask each other for rides and things like that. But even like helping each other out, or if someone has had like one instructor for a sim lesson, and then you know the next pair has him for again for that lesson, has him for the first time. I mean, for that lesson, you kind of like share tips on how that instructor likes to do things or how he had you do something. Or even like observing each other's simulator lessons. So, you know, we were always really open to letting everyone else in our class observe our lessons. And mm. when you're, you see different stuff when you're observing a sim lesson rather than when you're busy, you know, actually flying it. And so you learn a lot of things and you take notes. And then because uh, when you're actually flying it, you can't really take notes. You're too busy. So the observer will take notes and then, you know, share that with the people who are flying. And so it really helps everyone out. But that was, it was great to have like people who, you know, could go through training with you as well. And even now, when we're all done with simulator, we're all either in the last phase where we're flying or we're waiting for our schedules to go fly. You know, we're still sharing tips. And it's hard to explain some things. It's just hard to explain until you go through it yourself. It's hard to understand.
0: I yeah guess. and and you're you're kind of too, i'm hearing two different things not not two different not completely wrong <laughs> no but i'm hearing two really really important things one is the fact of you're you're on that journey with other people so there's other people wanting to achieve a similar goal to yourself and having the support of others there as you're going along that journey the benefits that you're getting seems seems to be huge and i, I you know i'm i'm I see that myself in in the pilot's lounge within the, the, the members of the pilot's lounge going, going through that from terms of the, the support that everybody gets from and the learning from everybody else because there's people that will ask questions and by somebody asking a question, other people are learning from those questions and so on. So I I, I can see the correlation between what you're saying in terms of the support. But also one thing you kind of said very, very briefly, but I saw your energy shift in it, which was you got to really want it. So that desire, or that passion, or that drive to actually really want what it is that you want to achieve, has to surpass all the grueling pain that you've actually gone yes. through over the last couple of months. Uh, because there has people that there have been people that have dropped out. So the the push motivation in terms of okay, the amount of money and time that's been invested by individuals, everybody's on the same benchmark in some respects, in the sense that they've got the same starting line by having having to have done a certain number of flying hours and put in a huge amount of cost and all the kind of things but really the only thing or not not the only thing but the main thing for you what i'm hearing is that you've got to really want what it is that you want to want to have in your life you've got to whatever that goal or whatever that objective is for you it's passing that exam and that has to that desire for wanting that has to be more than the pain that you're willing to endure
1: exactly yeah so you know a third of my class class originally twelve. we had 12 people a third of them left for various reasons you know some were were just not focused on training or some didn't feel that uh was the work was worth it and i i think also another misconception people, the public has or people have is that pilots are a lot <laughs> and other okay. the regionals you don't you, you're, at the regionals, you're almost spending money to be here, <laughs> to be at work. So it's not a lot of money at all, you know, when you're starting out as a pilot, as an airline pilot. Uh, so the people who, some people who love just didn't think it was worth it, the work was worth it. And so they decided to, you know, look elsewhere. So yeah, you really have to to want it. And also the people who don't really work well with people, with others, it's going to be harder for them. It's not impossible for them to pass, but it's going to be a lot harder because you don't have that different perspective. Because, you know, when you go into training and there's so much information to take in, especially at the start, you're just overwhelmed. And everyone will remember something different from like a one-hour class. And so when you get together after that to do homework or to just talk about uh, what you learned, everyone is going to bring up a different point that they remember, which is going to help you relearn that stuff that you missed from from the class because you were there, but you didn't remember that, you know, particular piece of information. And so it really helps to be able to get along with others and be likable (laughs) and, yeah, learn from each other, really. And my sim partner, she said something during training that I really can understand now, that this job – it really humbles you every day every day you're learning something new as soon as you think that you have something down you learn you have to learn something completely different and then now you're you feel like you just started from scratch again <laughs> so you know and that's so true even in training and even after you're done with training you're still learning the cat and i flew with he's been here for like 30 35 years and he's still learning something new every day or almost every day but that steep learning curve, it flattens out a little bit, but it never really goes away. You're learning something um, as a pilot all the time. Uh, so, you know, you never get, com- you never are able to get complacent really with, as a pilot, because once you get complacent, that's when you will be humble, whether you want to or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because I use the phrase, which again comes from the, the, the big book, as everybody knows, and pride comes before the fall. So what you're saying is, yeah, when you feel that you you know everything, all of a sudden you're 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 going to get an instance or an event that will actually humble you, um in order to actually realize no, it it is an ongoing journey of learning. But but what I'm hearing is is is, is the it's the ongoing learning, but it's also the support of others. And you know what seems to be coming through very clearly is how. You've learned from them, but also the questions that they've asked, but also the support. Because I'm sure there's probably been times whereby you probably wanted to tear your hair out at the end of the day and being totally, utterly exhausted. How did you keep going?
1: I don't know, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so once you get to, you know, even in the ground school classes, we had some really crazy schedules. So we had, you know, like 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. or like even 3 p.m. to like 11 p.m., and that's so you know the airline can schedule two classes in the same day because uh, there's only a limited number of classrooms. So they might have like a flight attendant class in the morning, and then between 11 p.m., we can have our class. So we had some crazy, crazy schedules, but it was really um, sims where sims almost operate, simulators operate almost twenty four seven. And if you're a junior pilot or if you're in training, you're gonna get like the four a.m. sim. <laughs> you're not gonna get like the nice twelve noon to seven p.m. sims that we, maybe the senior pilots who've come back for recurrent training will will get just because they're more senior than you. So yeah, those four thirty a.m. sims are hard because you have to wake up at like three a.m. to get there on time. Between to go to bed at like 7 p.m. <laughs> and I wasn't able to get to bed at 7 p.m. You know, it was really hard to even get to sleep when it's so bright out in summer here. So sunsets at like 7.30 at the earliest at night and it's still so bright out. Your, your mind's still so active. You can't get sleep. I would get maybe like two, three hours sometimes of sleep before that some later sessions. And most of my uh, lessons were in the morning. So either the 4 a.m. or, you know, the the 8 a.m. And so it was really hard just getting used to that. But you kind of just keep going. You know, you just have to do it. You just have to push yourself through and you try and take a nap after that sim, obviously, to, you know, recover from that. But your sleep schedule is just never going to be the same. (laughs) And. After, even in ground school, you know, I would get maybe a couple of hours of sleep a night and it took me maybe like two days to recover from, from that much sleep deprivation. It's just exhausting. And you, you feel terrible, but you just have to keep going. Uh, if you want to, you know, be, have enough time to study or cover all that material before your lesson or even after when you want to review it. So, um, you know, you know, it's not going to last forever. It's going to come to an end whether you pass or not <laughs> eventually you know it'll it'll get better uh, it's yeah. only for that amount of time you just have to be willing to sacrifice your sleep or you know your energy sometimes to to make it through but yeah just that willingness and that drive to to succeed is what what is really important i think
0: yeah um one one thing that you you mentioned just before we press record was the kind of aircraft that you're flying right now at the moment, it's 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 an old aircraft, so it doesn't have the electronics that a new aircraft would have. So when <laughs> you were describing literally when it comes into landing and so on, all the different mechanical things that you have to do. But what, what struck me, and you, you might explain that to, to our listeners, but what struck me from it was a lot of people will will kind of want to jump ahead without actually knowing what the foundations are. Because if if you, for example, if if electronics were to go in an aircraft, a modern aircraft, and if you don't understand the fundamentals of flying, well, then you're pretty much snookered. So I- I- explain that for our listeners in terms of what the kind of aircraft and what it's like flying an older aircraft compared to uh, the brand spanking new aircraft that's out there at the minute.
1: Right. So, I mean, at the airlines, compared to a general aviation tiny 172 Cessna aircraft, uh that most people train in it's got a lot more automation it's got an autopilot but the kind of the type of aircraft that i'm flying right now compared to you know most of the newer airliners it's a 20 year old aircraft 20 or 25 by now and so it's got less automation than most of the newer airliners but it's a great starter jet it's great as your first um you know, airline jet, because you really have to do a lot more work, which helps you understand how the whole system works, whether it's the aircraft or the, you know, the airline or the ATC system, planning descents, the newer aircraft will do all that for you. You don't, you just have to watch it, do it (laughs) and make sure it doesn't get you into trouble. Whereas on the new, on this aircraft that I'm flying, it's a lot of work and you still have to do bit of math actually and it's a lot of work but I'm glad that I have this for my first trip because I really have to understand you know descent planning approaches all that math and the next jet I'll fly you know after this it's just going to be easier a lot easier I guess but I'll also have that foundation to go back to where is you know someone who may Start off in a newer jet that's all automated for them, they may not have that foundation necessarily. And so, if once you go to the new jet, there's all that automation, but what if that automation fails? What if, you know, it just doesn't work anymore? It's broken, it breaks halfway in the air. What do you do? I'll still have that foundation to go back to. And I may be a little rusty because it may have been a while since I've, you know, had to do all this descent planning by then. But I guess in an emergency, you'll just recall things that (laughs) you need to. (laughs) <laughs> if you're trained well. and So I'm just glad that I have this foundation.
0: Well, no, no one from, again, going back to when when we did your, your pilot's manual and the, the, the purpose that you're here to fulfill, I, I can actually see how that's going to form part of what you're going to be doing in the future. So it may may not be in, in, in the next number of years or a few years, but definitely I can see it playing a part in, in, in future years to come. I, I think that there, there's, there's actually <laughs> that this... This podcast episode turned out to be a little bit different than than what we had expected. (laughs) Nicole had a couple of questions that she wanted to ask. But actually, do you know what? I think there's a lot to be learned by Nicole's experience in terms of what she's going to do in relation to the training in order to achieve a goal or an objective that she wants to achieve. It's a desire that she wants. It's something that she, as you can hear, is putting a huge amount of work into. It's grueling. It's let alone the work on the simulator but it's also grueling in relation to the amount of time that's involved, um, work schedules, sleep deprivation, <laughs> all that kind of set of things. It, it is huge. So I think there's actually a lot to be learned from what we've actually just discussed here. Why not celebrate um, Nicole in passing her SIM exams uh, by way of putting a review in uh, the podcast and just let you know, give your congratulations to Nicole. If you're a member of our executive code community, why not give a celebration or a cheer to Nicole and congratulate her in relation to pastor exams? From my perspective, it is a huge achievement. I'm just so absolutely so, so thrilled for Nicole to be quite honest with you. So let's um, record the next episode in terms of answering the question that we were scheduled to answer on this particular episode. But look at you, know what? I think you're, you're going to get um, a lot from this particular episode itself. If you want to find out more about how you discover your life purpose, head over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com and all the information is there. I'm going to include sh- um, links within the show notes itself, and you can also watch this video on our YouTube channel as well. And again, the link is within the show notes. But until the next time, I wish you every success.